Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Joey from Passion of Pursuit, and we'll be discussing faith and how he ties that into his waterfowl episodes and a whole bunch of other waterfowl topics as well. So let's get on into the podcast. What's going on, guys? Hey, bud. What's up, Joey? What's up, Freelance? Howdy, Carl. Or Fumble Mitts. <laughs> Wait for people to trickle in here. What's up, Cody? It's going good. Typical Monday, though. Let me tell you, this morning I uh, woke up at <clears throat> I woke up at five and I drove to the gym. I got a forty-minute commute and uh, realized I didn't have any of my work clothes, so <laughs> I just had to drive back. So I started my day off just driving two hours just to go to work, back to home, and back to work. <laughs> You work out every morning? Uh, no, I try to, but you know that doesn't happen. That's impressive. No, with a with a four month old baby in the house, it's kind of hard to get my sleep. And then, like you know, once my alarm goes off, I'm just hitting that snooze too often. So. <laughs> Speaking of fitness, this is so funny. I have to share it. This is not hunting related. So I'm I'm a, a elementary school teacher. And this little girl wears this shirt to school the other day, and on the front, it says, I'm into fitness. And on the back of it, it says, fitness pizza in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) She wore that thing so proud, and she was doing this after fitness school club that night. Oh, man, it was so proud. Nice. (laughs) What's up, Ash? (laughs) Well, let's get this show on the road. So uh, go go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, Joey. Uh, I'm six foot three, weigh about two hundred and fifty eight pounds. Um, no, I uh, hey, thanks for having us on. First of all, appreciate it. Um, so Joey Goche name, um, Passion of Pursuit is uh, a short film series that um, been going out i think really uh really well uh waterfowl short film series it was um kind of started from revelation outdoors which is a waterfowl ministry um it's kind of kind of crazy how that whole thing happened but i'll tell you about that um live in louisiana and um you know plenty of alligators down here i know you guys want to hear that so um no it's just good so i appreciate you having me on yeah awesome Well, I got all sorts of questions. I don't know when I'm supposed to jump in, but not yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead with your first question, Elliot. Uh, well, I'm curious a little bit about how um, the now you're on Carbon TV, right? We were on Carbon TV our first year. We are no longer on Carbon TV now. Okay, can you kind of talk just a little bit about how it all developed to where? I'm sure you hunted years and years and years without videoing anything and yep. then somehow it turned into kind of what you have going now. Can you just give a little background history on how all that developed? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, it, it, it's not a little background history, but it's, um, so, it, you know, it, as, as passion of pursuit, I can't really tell you about that without talking about the ministry, first of all. Please um, and it was, it was really just, formed out of um but you know me establishing my relationship with my creator through duck hunting because as you know you guys and everybody listening will be able to answer this question how you you sit out there and you look at the sunrise and you listen to a marsh wake up or flooded timber or a field and inevitably somebody will say wow how can you look at this and say there is no god right that that's what every and the truth is you can't and i'm like okay so if that's true then there's a creator and if that's true then i need to figure out what does he really 
require of me. And so kind of spent a long time. I'll save you the gory details of what I was like before, uh, before that happened. Um, but passion of pursuit really wasn't passion of pursuit at all. I mean, I, I was saved standing next to a, a, a big cypress tree and just said, you know, I, I really want to share this with other duck hunters because there's got to be guys out there just as shallow as me that are kind of looking for the wrong thing. Um, they think that God wants you to be perfect and he wants you to be in church and he wants you to be this, you know, peaceful little church mouse and don't go have any fun. And man, that is the furthest thing from the truth. Um, and so I said, you know, it would be really cool. I was talking to another buddy of mine, Zach Martin, who was there. And I said, we need to start filming this, right? We need to start filming everything that we do. And so literally, I'm going to show you something. Watch this. So literally, the next time we went out, I had this little baby in my hand, right? And so I'm like, man, we are going to set the world on fire with this camcorder, right? And uh, quickly figured out that that's not easy. Um, and yeah. so we said, you know, why don't we just kind of figure out, see if we can find someone who really knows what they're doing. Um, and about that time, my wife was on Facebook and she was friends with, you know, friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing. And saw a post where this guy in Baton Rouge was starting um, an outdoor video production company. And down at the bottom of his page, I saw he had some scripture quoted. I'm like, well, you know, maybe maybe this guy's kind of wired like I am. And so uh, that guy turned out to be Brian Dryden, Jr. of Motion Culture uh, Media. And it's, it's funny because he and I um, had kind of reestablished our relationship um, with Christ about the same time. And so I called him up and said, you know, hey, you know, you don't know me, um, but uh, here's the idea that I had. And, and so we started, we talked for maybe 20 minutes about this project of just using filmed hunts um, to just to get duck hunters to think about, you know, none of this stuff is random. Um, and so if there is a creator, maybe, maybe there's something bigger than myself out there. Um, so we talked about 20 minutes for that. And then like the next two hours, just about how crazy it is that God would bring two guys like us together, um, at about the same point in our spiritual walk. And he said, what you need to do is, is come here and, and, and we talked it out, um, and started filming and we filmed for a couple of years we even had any idea of what we were going to do with it like we had a lot of really really good footage in the can and no idea at all what we were going to do with it so we just kind of kicked around some ideas and said let's do some short episodes and let's make let's let's not be so intense with you know with uh with this book that we scare people off but man let's let's just do something that is really really good quality and that's one of the things that we always try to do is we focus on the quality of our footage over anything else and the second thing is we don't want to sit down behind a desk and write out a script and say okay we're gonna go film a hunt and this is what's gonna happen because you know how that works right i mean the best laid plans they rarely work out the way you want them to work out and so we said, let's just go film everything that happens. And regardless of what we shoot, what happens, there's something there that is worthy of telling the story. And so that's what we did. I mean, we just, we filmed everything and we would talk about it on the way home. And, and Brian is just, he is really, really gifted when it comes to seeing things with a camera that I don't even know are there. And I'm standing next to the dude and I'm like, man, well, I, I didn't, I didn't see that dragonfly. How did you see that? You know, I was standing right next. There's just things that he sees with a camera that when you look at it in post-production and then when you look at it when it's exported in this beautiful 6K footage, it's amazing. So that's, you know, we were fortunate enough to be on, on Carbon TV for two years um, and then just decided to change our format a bit and have everything hosted on our YouTube channel, which is Passionate Pursuit. Uh, that's the name of our channel and it's, it's always evolving. Um, you know, we've got some things coming up in the future that are really, really exciting, but you know, we wanted to make sure that we didn't do something that somebody else was already doing like, okay, 
you know, we're going to start this interview and I'm going to say, here's my good buddy, Jordan, and we hunting with him. And, you know, now I just met the dude. So, you know, and then we're going to have two minutes of shooting and then we're going to have commercial, commercial, commercial. And then we said, you know, let's just, let's not do any interviews, no talking heads. This isn't Joey's show. This isn't Brian's show. This is, this is a show about uh, us wildly, uh, us passionately chasing waterfowl while our creator passionately pursues us in a relationship with us. So that's kind of where we are now. It's a long story and it could be longer, but that's, um, that's how the whole thing started. So have, yes. you, have you always been a follower of Jesus? Have I what? I'm sorry. Have you always been a follower of Jesus or is that something no. that you came to later on in your time? No, I can tell you right now, um, that I was religious for a long time. Uh, went to church and on, I, I, I joke and say we were CEOs. We were Christmas and Easter only. Um, so we would go when everybody else would go and I would go and punch my card and thinking I was good and, you know, good people. And, you know, I, I don't know why bad things happen to good people, but, and, but it wasn't until I was married um, and my wife um, was going through the scripture verses with my daughters at the table. And, you know, this is, man, I'm talking about, I'm over 40 years old now at this point when this happened. And, you know, at that time, you know, I was drinking a lot and having a good time. And, um, you know, my wife would ask me to go to church or go to Bible study. And I, not only did I tell her, no, I would make fun of her. Like I, I would do things to try to make her doubt what she believed. And, uh, you know, the kids, I, I would go behind her and, you know, you know, the store biggest, biggest lies ever created, you know, and me not knowing anything. Um, but when it comes right down to it, I was the persecutor in chief of, of my family. One night when I walked by the kitchen table, um, I'm not saying that God speaks in these big, loud voices, but I did at that point, he let me know that, Hey, I, I created you and called you to be the spiritual leader of this house and this home and this family. And you really suck at it. Um, she's, she's doing your job. Now, where did you get that? What, what, what happened in your life to bring that to Dude, you? I, I don't know. Um, I can tell you that, um, for 40 years, I, I never really opened that book and read anything to understand that this was God trying to communicate a message to me. I mean, that's what scripture is. It's, it's God's love letter to his people to let him know, let his people know how much he loves them and cherishes them. Um, but there was nothing like I got hit in the head and saw a flash or anything. Look, it's God's timing, man. He draws everybody to him and it's up to each individual to believe or to, to reject. For me, it was just my time. I mean, for Brian, it was his time. Um, and so you know, I, I didn't grow up in a house of atheists or anything. We just didn't make Jesus the centerpiece of everything that we, we just didn't realize that he is the reason that we're here. And until you get into that word and read it and realize, yeah, he is. So how, how big of a part would you say uh duck hunting was to all that? Um, it was the biggest part because, um, before, you know, I would see things I'll give you an example. There are things in that book that, you know, you would read and go, oh, that's cool. But man, how many times have you, you, know, you guys have, you're out there early and the sun's not quite up. And you know, when you get away from the lights of the city, like you can see the Milky Way, right? I mean, it's just like you look up and you go, holy cow. How does someone who created all of that knows where every star is, even know that, even know or care that I'm here? Well, when you read Psalm 8, 3, and 4, it says, when I look at, when I consider the works of your fingers, the moon and stars, which you've put in place, what is man that you even care that we're here? And I'm like, wait a minute. The guy who wrote the Psalm, that's how, that's how deep I was, the Psalms, right? The guy <laughs> who wrote the Psalms is a duck hunter because I've seen the same exact thing. And so, you know, for me, I, I, I would look at things um, you know, like Romans 120. It says, you're, you're going to know who I am by the things that I create. And I would look at that and go, huh, so that's what it's talking about. And so 
with you know it's 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 god's sovereign plan but without duck hunting i i don't know that those verses would have grabbed me like they did yeah that's, yeah, great. that's great i got a little bit of echo on the i think it's i think it's your headphones so a little similar I, I can't i saw obviously exactly the same things that you see out duck hunting in nature i grew up in a house that was extremely religious and christian based but as i got into college i just i was having so many doubts about whether it was even all true or not and a big part of it for me was exactly what you're saying i mean you look into it and it just overwhelms you with like how in the world could this all be an accident and i uh, a quote that i like to, to say that richard dawkins um he's a real well-known atheist says you have to constantly remind yourself that none of this is designed. I mean, that's like one of the most famous atheists saying that he has to constantly remind himself yeah. that everything wasn't designed. It's just so overwhelming and powerful. And so I went away from God for quite a while, not completely, kind of like you, you know, I, I still wanted to believe because I was really scared of hell basically. Uh, mm -hmm. But then I got a point in my time where my, my son was born and I started seeing myself through his eyes and yeah. I didn't like what I saw. Yeah. And the closer I got to God, the worse my relationship with his mother was. So we ended up getting divorced and I just thought, all right, I'm going all in, I'm going back to God. And during about a three year period, I was doing a hunting just by myself basically. And I had this little marsh I like to go to and I put a little kayak on it and I would get out there in the middle of that by myself in the dark. And those were the most affirming close moments I've ever had with God in my life. As I was reconnecting to him, and he was just, I mean, his presence when I was out there by myself, you know, at four o'clock in the morning in the dark, in the middle of nowhere, was yeah. so overwhelming that all of the doubts just fade completely. Now, I mean, they every, everyone has doubts from time to time, and they, they can hit you a little bit. But yeah. for the most part, all the doubts just were like, all right. Well, here's so my here's, life, the fruits of my life changed immediately. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. And, you know, I don't want guys to start bailing off. Go, oh man, these guys are thumping the Bible all night. I'm out of here. Um, let me let me just so I can say this that religion and and that is man's futile attempt to please God by other by any other means other than faith alone and Christ alone. If you think you can work your way and be a good enough person to please Him, you you may be religious, but you're not redeemed. And it shows that you don't have the proper fellowship and relationship with the person who did pay for everything for you. Um, you know, one of the most powerful things for me, and if I don't know if you guys caught the the Blood Origins episode where they, you know, they kind of kind of asked me how I got started and getting into my testimony, it got really emotional because the one thing when I really start because you know we hear about the cross during Easter and yeah, Jesus was on the cross and he died and rose again. It, it, it becomes almost cliche. And when you really stop to think about it, because there are things that God does in this book that I'm just like, no way would I have done it that way. Dude, if it were me, there's like the whole world with a flood, really? Or really? And then you come to the cross and you're like, God, your own son. Like, I just, I wouldn't have done that. I, I mean, there's no, because I picture one of my kids on a, on a cross and what would that feel like to me and it's i mean you guys have kids you know consider the cross from that perspective and i think you come away from it a little bit differently the problem is religion in itself focuses on and i i didn't think of this on my own i'm going to sound really smart in a minute but this wasn't me um but religion in itself there is so much oh, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, and you're convicted in original sin, and you got to keep paying for your sins. And guys just tune off to, just tune out to that. And while it's true, there is so much focus on original sin that we lose what was first, and that is original glory. And so it says what Jesus came to do was restore that which was lost. And that is original glory. And man, that is such a hopeful picture of I can't do anything to earn it, I'm not going to lose it. I couldn't do anything to earn it in the first place. It was all done for me. All I have to really do is sit back and go, man, I, I can't believe you did that for me. That's, that's amazing. I want to know more about you. That's all he wants. 
And man, anybody can do that. So that's it, man. That's that's how it got started. That's how the 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 ministry was was started. I had my revelation outdoors, so that's why we called it that. I mean, I'd like to say it was something deeper than that, but it it's pretty. That's pretty shallow. That's about awesome. Yeah. So selfishly, I would I would love to just continue on this topic, but I think we will probably lose people if we do. (laughs) I wish we. I would like to. Hey, yeah, I appreciate it. If we lose them, we already told them. So you can't say <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I appreciate both those stories from both of you guys. That and Heard Elliot's either. So, yeah, uh, yeah both of you and Joey. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with both of you guys. Um, You know, I'm a newer duck hunter as well. And, uh, um, you know, just being out there in nature, you, there's you just can't miss it. Yeah, there's something out there much bigger than yourself. Um, and when you stop and consider that, and when you stop and consider what is that thing that like the thing that got me is, man, there's got to be more to this than just at the most an 80 or 90 year existence. And then you reach room temperature and they put you in a box. (laughs) Really? Uh, There's got to be more to it than that. And if so, what is it? And that book is the only thing that's going to tell you. So. You might have missed your calling, Joey. I mean, uh, you're so good with scripture and words. You know, you, you might have uh, should have gone into preaching. <laughs> well, it's funny. It, it's uh, I, I am, um, and it's it's funny because since we started our ministry, there's been I've been really fortunate, really blessed to speak at a lot of men's um, wild game dinners and things like that. That was the whole purpose. Really, that was the purpose of the series was just to to generate some interest and a little bit of a buzz to. Um, say you know maybe we want this guy to come speak at our event or a wild game dinner or um you know some men's event at the church and um it's worked i mean we've got several um you know the last couple of years during that time of the season we stay pretty busy doing that nice so are you full-time waterfowler right now yes but i do have a job to pay the bills you mind sharing what that is or is that private no, no. It's um. I work for a private company that contracts with law enforcement to track registered sex offenders. Okay. So that's um. It's a nasty job. Somebody's got to do it. But that that affords you obviously lots of time, huh? Because you travel a bunch. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm. It's. I'm really fortunate that um. I, I've got. I save. You know, I save all of my vacation time through the summer. I mean you know, all these rods that are hanging up on the ceiling, I don't get to use them a whole lot except on the weekends because I'm, I save all of my, my vacation in that to take it, you know, when the, when the migration's kicking in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, we do. I, I'm really fortunate that um, we're pretty flexible as to when we can take our time off. I mean, for me, um, it's during a time of the year where we're, we're starting to slow down a little bit at work anyway. Um, so yeah, very very fortunate in that regard. Can you run through what your hunt season looks like? Because I know you guys travel. So <laughs> just kind of give what states you hit, kind of how your calendar looks month by month. Yeah, so early season or early yeah early season teal season down here opens up in September. Um, so we'll uh, we'll hunt teal season for 16 days down here, um, and then. You know, typically you're into you're getting into October, November, where it's time to head up towards you in Kansas because that's um, usually you'll have a few geese in the area. Um, this year we're planning to go all the way up to Saskatchewan in October, um, but we'll go through Arkansas, we'll go into Oklahoma, into Kansas, um, where else? Tennessee. Um, got some looking at doing some stuff in Missouri as I said, up in Saskatchewan, but we've really been fortunate that, you know, we've just plugged into a network of guys that'll call and say, Hey man, birds are here. When, when can you get here? Um, nice. you know, if you wait for them down here, you ain't going to see them. I mean, the flyway has changed so much that, you know, Louisiana just used to be now there's certain spots that, you know, down in Venice by the mouth of the Mississippi that just, you know, they just whack them there constantly. But so you, are you by the coast then or? Yeah, I'm about an hour north of New Orleans, so I'm about an hour and a half from the coast. Gotcha. Or so. so I know you said the other day you're fishing for red, so I figured uh, that's yeah, got to be coastal. 
Dude, that drive. You want to see a 49-year-old man act like an 8-year-old? <laughs> That's me. I mean, a, a big school of tail and redfish. Uh, it, I, I'm, I, I don't – this is a waterfowl show, so I'll say that I like shooting mallards in the face in, in, <laughs> in the timber more, but it's a close second when I'm up on the polling platform, especially if I got a fly rod in my hand. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say as well, uh, uh, you know, mallards is number one for me as well. But uh, in the spring and fall, we go up uh, for the steelhead and salmon runs coming out of Lake Michigan uh, yeah. on the fly rod as well. And, and that's a close second. <laughs> oh, man. It's just our fish down here are so fat and so aggressive um, that anything they see, they're on. How much does one of those weigh? Uh, it depends. I mean, I've got, well, you can't see it's already on the wall. I mean, you know, average size for the ones that I like to keep are small, you know, three pounds or so. I mean, I've caught them on flies, you know, 10 and 12 pounds, but you know, you're in 18 inches of water Mm -hmm. and it just, man, they mess everything up. I mean, they walk around, they go take you around the boat a couple of times. You bust the school over here, bust the school over there but anywhere from three to 30 pounds. And we love them. <laughs> so how many days a year do you hunt? Um, out of a 60 day season, like just a 60 day duck season. Well, that's just, I mean, cause you're doing more than 60 days with all that. Yeah. Stuff. Well, yeah, we're, we're getting pretty close to that. Um, so so much of it you know we've really just started picking our days when the weather's right when the fronts are right um you know when you're on that schedule of you know we try to just hey it ought to be good at this time we're going and you get there and it's like you're in short sleeves and or it's completely frozen and locked up and you know the birds flew over you while you were driving north and so you know you just with what we're trying to do you just can't put it on a calendar in may and say we're going to be in in the timber in Arkansas ready to shoot mallards on this date because it ain't going to happen most of the time. And so with us just kind of waiting for the call to come in, um, you know, I, I, don't, I man, I couldn't tell you, 40, 40 something days, maybe 50 days. I don't know. That is definitely the biggest problem with traveling. We go up and we've, we've been to Nebraska up on the Missouri River. Uh, Nebraska South Dakota border and then we go west in the state we travel around in the state we actually have over 100 day actual hunt days in our state the way it's configured and they cut it up into zones but hunt trips I mean when you got four guys going and families we have to put it on a calendar and that is the hardest part because you got to go and that I mean your success goes just drops tremendously when that's how you have to do it yeah and like I said with the network of guys that we've met um those guys are, you know, like the guy, like Ronnie Kondo and those guys in Kansas, shameless plug for my boy. Um, the, I mean, they just, they know that unless the weather is just stupid, ridiculous off, there's usually enough that you can film a good hunt. And, you know, the other thing is we're not pressuring ourselves to just fill the truck with geese or fill straps with, with ducks. I mean, that's some of our best episodes in a five-day period, we've killed four birds. Um, in episode two, I think it was, in variables, I mean, we, we may have killed four birds in five days. But the story that just unfolded when you're sitting there in a blind doing nothing but just talking, um, it, was, it was probably my favorite episode just because of the stuff that came out. Um, and it was an episode that it was one of those deals where we had planned it and we knew where we were going and they had hammered them the week before and this man we're going to do this and we're going to do that and it's going to be great footage and i want to get one of a duck getting shot here and then one of a duck and you get there and it's 70 degrees and it's like nothing i mean nothing and so but what did happen is we met a group of guys that were running a ministry up there that just completely refocused why we were doing what we were doing and even to this day that was three 
Brian's going to have to correct me, but that was either three or four years ago that we filmed that episode. And we still go back to that episode to reference what we learned about dude, it ain't about you. And it's not about filling the bird, filling straps up with birds. It's about what kind of, what, how can you, because everybody can praise God when everything's good. Right. I mean, you got full straps or, you know, somebody scores a touchdown, they point up and everything's great, but can you can you still glorify me and give me thanks when everything just turns to crap? Are you are you can you still see me in the midst of that? And that's the one thing that we learn is regardless of what happens, you know, regardless of how much Brian and I might get on each other's nerves or we're pissed off because this didn't happen or that that didn't happen or this isn't working, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. What matters is can you can you find um, can you hear the Lord's calling for you in the midst of all of, in the midst of your plans just falling down around you? And we've gotten really good at that because we've got plans falling down around us all the time. Yeah, I watched, yeah, I watched that episode. I, I watched that a lot. That was a yeah. good one. Yeah, that was probably one of my favorite ones. Some of my, oh, my the videos that I make, we don't have the production team you guys have. It's basically just me with the camera, so it's really, really rough. I'm right. feeling you, brother. But I, I really some some of my favorite videos that I've done are, are poor hunts too, because if you capture the experience properly and still enjoy it, I mean those are some of the best days. Like you said in that video, because conversations come out when you're bored that don't normally come out. And I've got a friend and um, that goes with us, and you know his marriage sometimes struggles a little bit. And on those days. We're digging into his relationship with his God and his wife and, you know, his wife's griping about him going. I'm like, she has no idea the kind of progress that's being made on these trips. That's right. It, it happens a lot more when there's not a lot of ducks. Yeah. I'm really connected with that video. That That is, it. like, Heath Whitmore is a guy we hunted with. Um, and he said, you know, there's so many things that come out in a guy's life when it's slow like this. It'll never come out when it's fast and furious. And, it, you know, I mean, you can work with people. You know, like like you guys, Jordan. I don't know if 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 you know if you knew about you know his relationship with 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 God or not. I mean, there's you can. It's funny you can work with people and never really know how they're aligned. You can hunt with people all of your life and never really know what they have going on until there's just really nothing else to do but talk about what else is going on because there's nothing going on here in the marsh. So we might as well talk about something else. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yep, good stuff. Um, so I guess uh going back to your your production crew, uh yeah. I was I, I guess I was curious what all you got going on with that. Like how many uh people you guys take for that stuff and as many as possible. <laughs> Never as too many. many. <laughs> can fit in the truck and get across the border into Canada or wherever we're hunting. Um does it get more difficult to hide when you have more people though, or? Well, it, it, it depends. I mean, it, it, that's why we like hunting in the timber so much because you can get so many different angles or so many places that you can just kind of get out of the way. Um, you know, it's, um, we, we like hunting either a frames or layouts, but if you, if your guy, if you have one cameraman and he's either in the blind or he's out of the blind, he's going to miss something. So the more cameras you're running, the more angles, the more uh, the more angles you have, the more potential you have of, of catching just that beautiful shot. Um, Sounds we, like a lot of editing. <laughs> believe, dude, believe me, out of an eight-minute video, you would be surprised how much is. Gotcha. Yeah, me and uh. Elliot do YouTube videos, so we got a little bit of experience. It's not on the same level, obviously, as what you guys got going on, but we can uh, understand the headaches and nightmares of all those all those film clips getting edited. But it's it. I mean, it's it's all good. I mean, we we shoot with um, with red cameras, which are really super super high def six K. You know, I don't know. That's all I know about that. Um, <laughs> it's um, but. You know, the thing is, is that we've, we've got guys that understand audio. We've got really talented writers. We've got really talented 
guys that can edit and color and put storylines together. And um, now a lot of times that guy is just Brian. Hmm. So it's me writing stuff and Brian, I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've been driving home and he's editing stuff in the back seat because we've got a deadline, uh, you know? Um, so do you uh, write the voiceover then for the episodes? I do. Nice. Yeah, that takes talent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was kind of wondering because you... It's like poetry almost. Yeah. You, you know, that's... Um, you just have a really you know, good way of conveying like what you see and then, you know, tying it all together with creation and our creator. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I do, I take a lot of mental notes um, because I'll, I'll kind of see what Brian is getting at the time. You know, if something happens, I, I can, we've been doing it together long enough that I kind of know what he's getting. You know, I, it had to be incredibly aggravating him for him for the first couple of years because every duck we shot, it was, hey, man, did you get that one? Hey, man, did you get that one? Hey, man, did you get that one? And finally, now, he just says no. So nobody <laughs> asks anymore. Um, but it's it. I take a lot of mental notes just about kind of – and we're going to – we're going to – this year, we're getting into having a guy score everything for, you know, the soundtracks and everything that go behind our – and that guy is – we want him to travel with us um, because – He's just you, really, really, really talented. And it's just a lot easier for him to experience the mood that we're looking for if he's there. You know? Mm -hmm. Very cool. So that's going to be something really kind of out there for us is hiding another guy that's going to write music to what we're doing. So uh, are, are a lot of these guys volunteer? Are they volunteer-based or... Uh... Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're fortunate that we do have some financial backing that we can get some we can recoup some production costs and but I mean, so far everything has been out of just the generosity of people that want to work with us. Um Brian donating his time and me funding as much as I can on my own. Um you know, a lot of the times where we speak at different organizations, churches, whatever, um, they'll make an offering to us that God, I can't tell you how big of a help um, that is when churches say, you know, hey, this this is for you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, that's just like the biggest blessing in the world. Now, can do you have a donation option on your website? No. No, that's that a good would, idea, though. Probably. <laughs> because, you know, yeah. like, I, I, I use my – some people believe you have to use tithe for your church, but – I'm more of the belief that you can use tithe in God's work, however. So, I mean, that if you had that on your website, that would be certainly something that I'd be like, hey, let's donate to this this month. And my wife would be like, all right, that sounds like a great thing. You go to the website and boom. Yeah, I mean, we've. I, it's funny. I've been, we've been surprised a couple of times when you go get the mail and there's just, you know, now the, the, um, the addresses, you know, our addresses on the website and you go get the mail and there's an envelope from someone you don't know and you open it up and there's like a check in it. You're like, where'd that, where'd that come from? Yeah. Uh, with a, you know, a note explaining, you know, who it is and kind of how they were impacted by what we're doing. Bottom line, man, is if I can, if I can just get guys to stop and think that, man, you, you do have a creator that loves you and does not expect you to be perfect. He's not interested in how many times you go to church. He's not interested in how much money you put in the basket. He's not interested if you have a beer at night when you come home. What he's interested in is do you trust him? And do you trust what he says? Because, I, you know, look, bottom line is we're all going to stop breathing and reach room temperature, and they're going to put us in a hole. And the only thing that matters then is who are you following to get out of it? And there's only been one that's ever beaten the grave. And so I'm with him and he doesn't expect me to be perfect. He doesn't expect me to, you know, to completely change who I am for him. He wants us just the way we are. And man, that's so refreshing when he's like, no, I'm here to restore you to your original glory, not focus on how bad of a sinner the world thinks you are. Um, that's what I'm, that's why he came and that's why he wants to really, if I can get guys to think about that, then mission accomplished. And once people experience this, it's pretty easy because 
you know, most people don't really want to turn over, turn themselves to God because they feel like they want freedom. And, but in actuality, the freedom that they're obtaining is bondage. And when I changed my life over, it's like when you, when you, when you really get that relationship with Jesus and you give yourself over, that's when the freedom comes. Yeah. Yeah. Living living sin is bondage. Yeah. Look, I'm going to tell you, man, I, I had it made. So I, December 11th of 2010 is when I was saved. So everything before that, you dudes would not have been wanting to talk to me. I can tell you that right now. Um, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pretty story, but I was, man, I was happy because <laughs> I can go, I could go do whatever I wanted to do, drink, whatever I wanted to act as stupid as I wanted to. And there was no, there was no internal struggle whatsoever. And so I'm like, man, why would I want to quit doing all that? Well, the bottom line is you, you give your life to him and just say, man, what is it that you want? I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender myself to you. I'm flawed. I'm broken. I'm going to screw up a bunch. Um, but now when I look back, man, I'm, I, I can't imagine, you know, I, I have more fun now than I can ever remember having before without, you know, the worry about I'm going to drink myself to death or drive off into a tree or something because I'm too stupid to realize that I'm doing something right I shouldn't be doing. Um, you know, there's a verse in scripture, it's Galatians 5, 17. That is my go-to. I'm so glad that verse is in there, uh, because Paul says, you know, the, the spirit is set against the flesh. The flesh is set against the spirit. They're, they're opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Well, here's the thing. Um, before I was saved, there was no spirit, right? It was just my flesh. So there was no struggle. Um, but now, and look, I'm not saying that turning your life around and giving your life to Christ is the easiest. It's easy, but it's the hardest thing you'll ever do because now the conviction, instead of people pointing their crooked little fingers at you saying, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. The conviction comes from within and you don't have to change anything. He's going to do that. You don't have to worry about that. Um, and so, and, and, and one side of the coin you want to find out how big of a man you are and, oh, I'm too big of a man. You know, I'm too macho to give my life to Jesus. Pick up your cross every day and follow him. See, see how much of a man you are then. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do because you're right. That is where true freedom comes from. Yep. That's as deep as I can go, dude. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <deep. laughs> I mean, look, if he can take a cat like me and use me, uh, you know, my biggest fear before before really establishing my relationship with Jesus was public speaking, believe it or not. Um, I was terrified of it. But, you know, now, look, if we're the body of Christ, man, I'm the mouth because I will talk to anybody about anything at any time. And, you know, my thing is, man, I don't like public speaking. I'm ugly. I got this big, I look like an armpit with eyeballs. You don't want me. You want somebody that has their life together. He goes, no, I need somebody that's ugly, that can't speak. And that looks like an armpit with eyeballs. You're perfect. Come on, follow me. I'm like, all right, dude, uh, we'll see where it goes. And, uh, you know, now almost seven years later, can't remember what it was like before, which is probably a good thing, but so then your your platform coming up is exclusively YouTube? Um, yeah, we're going to, uh, you know, our, we're sponsored by, uh, we've we're been fortunate to be sponsored by guys like Cherokee Sports, by Tangle Free, by Sitka, um, and working on some other relationships there. They'll release some content that we shoot for them. Um, and our plan is to release um, our short film. We're going to release it to as many short film uh, festivals or, or contests or whatever, if you get, but moving forward, it's going to be on our website and on YouTube. So you're going to submit ones you've already done or are these new ones up and coming ones? No, the, the, the short film that we're doing this year, um, I'm not going to give too much of it away because a lot of it's been shot already. Um, but just suffice it to say that we, we make a decision to do something that we've never done before that we are totally not equipped to do. Um, 
and we take off on a 2,000 mile road trip to a place that we've never been and we just really are relying on God to show up and do what he always does. When's and, the release date on that? Is it still, okay. in, still in editing or? No, well, half of it, a little bit more than half of it is shot. The other half we're shooting in October. Um, and right around the split of duck season is when we're going to release it. Okay, cool. Nice. And so, but it's, it's really a story of just, of just, a bunch of guys conquering a giant, if you will, that, you know, we are just not equipped to deal with on our own. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure we could, uh, we sh- could keep asking you questions for a while, but, uh, I think, uh, maybe let's l- move on to the lightning round, which is, uh, some of the short questions. So <laughs> short answers, quick answers. I got, my, I got my buzzer right here. All right, all right. So, uh, what gun do you shoot? You see it? I can't tell from here now. Canelli Super Black Eagle One. Oh wow! I don't know if I've ever seen one of those. <laughs> it's an old one. Nice. And uh, what's your dream gun? Uh, Benelli Super Black Eagle One. There you go. <laughs> That's not that one coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. And uh, what what size shot do you shoot? Uh, it depends. If you know, we shoot heavy shot uh, and heavy steel. If we're shooting in the woods, um, there's a lot of trees, brush, limbs like that. Uh, the birds are typically ten yards. Um, I'll shoot sixes. Um, if we're shooting fields, uh, we'll go down to if we're shooting ducks in the field to twos. Um, and we've killed a lot of geese with twos also. Gotcha. Uh, three what inch or three point five. Three. Hold on. What, what choke do you use when you do that? When you go down to twos. Jeb's baby, all the way. Like, Hashtag like, sponsored. When we, when we go down and we're shooting geese with twos, it's a we shoot a full choke. I do. There's some guys that you know we'll kind of cycle them. Uh, there's some guys that are shooting modified, so they'll shoot them a little bit closer in, and as they're getting out, we shoot clean up. I shoot full choke. Uh, do you prefer ducks or geese? Yes. <laughs> then you got to pick one. <laughs> you don't care. Um, so if I if so if if the you could only hunt one for the rest of your life. Yeah. Thus saith the Lord, you can only hunt one in one location. If you watched episode one stages, that is, I would never ever leave that spot. It's a flooded timber hole in the middle of the Mississippi Delta. Um, in a national wildlife refuge. I won't say which one because, you know, there's enough people in there already. Um, Can you give us the longitude and latitude at least? Oh, I'll give you a longitude <laughs> and latitude. I don't know where it'll take you. But, you know, I, I've told, you know what's funny? I've told people that they said, man, I said, I, I may take you, but I will never, ever show you. Like, I, I'll take you in, uh, but I will never point it out on a map that it's here. Cause I'll go in one way and out another. You won't know how the heck we got in there. So <laughs> nice. Uh, face paint or no face paint? In the woods, face paint always. Typically, uh, when we're hunting in fields or layout blinds, your face is covered anyway. What ammo do you shoot? Heavy shot. Beard or no beard? Dude. Really? <laughs> Look, I just got it trimmed. I told you the other day. I got about four inches cut off of it, so. <laughs> nice. So uh, here's a quick story about my beard, actually. So uh, first time I grew a full beard, I was a freshman in college, uh, no shave November, and uh, that's when I started uh, dating my wife, and I've never shaved it since. So she's never <laughs> seen you without one? Uh, no, I think when we met, I had one. Or I didn't have one. I just had, like, a goatee. But the next month... I started to grow it out for no show, no shave November, and that's when we started dating. And I never uh, shaved it since. So. Sweet. <laughs> and that was that's been a while, yeah. Hey man, look, the, God put that on your face for a reason. <laughs> I mean there there is a there is a reason that that's there. 
And he didn't, he didn't, you know, it wasn't until many years later he created something sharp enough that you could scrape that all off your face. That was the biggest marketing ploy of, that was the most successful marketing ploy I think ever created was, hey, women will like you if you're clean shaven. (laughs) Uh, Rivers or... uh... Let's go flooded timber for you. I guess you'd say flooded timber. <laughs> yeah, don't put flooded timber in there. You're too old. Okay, uh, rivers or uh, prairie marsh? Um, Prairie marsh. All right, prairie marsh or field? Prairie marsh or field? Um, golly. <laughs> um, prairie marsh. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Mojo or Lucky Duck? Neither one. Neither one? Nope. Jerk string, baby. Old school. There you go. Jerk rig. All right. Mornings or evenings? Mornings. Nice. Sweet. Well, that's all the lightning round questions. You got any to add on there, Elliot? I don't think so. Fun with City here at Alexander the Great started the shaving. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, you seen that on Netflix? Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, uh, I'm going to open it up to Q&A, so uh, go ahead and get your questions ready. Yeah, man, I can't wait for this. It'll be uh, slightly delayed, but I saw one earlier. Uh, Ash was asking, I think it was, what's the coolest duck you've ever killed or your favorite duck you've ever killed? It's up there somewhere. I don't know. Um favorite one I ever killed or weirdest one um wow man that's a that's a good question um you know I can't say that one sticks out I, I tell you what I do have getting mounted that I should be picking up sometime no I got it I got it I know what it is um and it's a tragic story um but you know, one of the things I love watching big eagle heads. You know, those, those the when you get a big group of snows, you always got those blue geese in there with the big bright white heads. Yeah. Um, and I finally had one that had all the bars. I mean, just fully matured, decked out, had them in the freezer, ready to go to the taxidermist, and you know the rest of the story. Freezer went out, and he was gone for calling. And I have yet, I have yet to get another one. Um, hmm. This year we did. I was uh, we were hunting with one of our field pastors. Um, we got a group of guys with Passionate Pursuit that are are field pastors. And in case I can't speak someplace, we'll get somebody else to. Uh, but Matt Robertson is in Wynn, Arkansas, and we shot um, speckle belly geese there last year. And I was fortunate enough to um, to shoot a full. You know, we call him the general because he's got just the bars all over his chest. Fully, fully mature, perfect. I mean, perfect bird. One BB, one lucky BB, right under the chin, dropped him and didn't break a bone. Didn't. I mean, he was just in perfect shape. So he should be coming back from the taxidermist any day now. What kind of duck was that? Speckle belly goose. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, Fumble Mitts wants to know how many cameras. Um. How many can how many camera men do we run at once? The tip well, I, I'll answer because it's gonna be a minute before you can clarify it, but um typically we go with two, four, five, five or six, um, just depending. And you know, we like to have two, maybe three camera men running at once. You know, a lot of I can imagine do, how you could pull that off in a prairie marsh. Well, you know, I was going to say a, a lot of it um, just got – we've we found guys that are just really, really good at getting B-roll. We've got um, Jonathan Bourne, who's one of our, our cameramen, but also our aerial gimbal operator. Um, the dude will go underwater if it means getting a shot. I mean, literally, the, he just – he does not care. He's all about getting the shot. And so everybody has kind of their, their specialty of, you know – things that they're just really really you know their their talents are just in that one spot so we try and just let people focus on what they're good at and it comes out all right nice 
Uh, what choke when you're shooting uh, the size sixes in timber? Uh, the modified. Nice. You know, most of, most of our birds in the timber, unless they're treetop high, are 10, 15 yards. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of times you're shooting through branches, so, you know, you need a few more. You need some extra pellets to sneak through there. But you will, you will not go wrong with that heavy shot. If it hits them, they're coming down. Yeah, I've never tried that more expensive stuff. We, we're always shooting Federals, and, they, I mean, they seem to do fine, but I wouldn't know the difference because we've never never tried any of that heavy shot. It, it wouldn't take you long to figure it out, I can tell you that much. That stuff hits like a freight train, man. Yeah, it's just a little bit more expensive, but I might have to try it as well. Well, if you keep an eye on Rogers, I know that they'll have some good specials sometimes so yeah yeah that's like look we're i mean we're we're buying our stuff so uh, our our shotgun shells I, I don't have any affiliation with anybody that's what i buy nice yeah i got i know people that use it and stand by it but i just haven't tried it yet especially the geese man late season geese a lot of down you got a lot of feathers to penetrate um you know, sometimes you you hope for a broken wing, maybe to just to get them down to where you can finish them. That stuff, man, I'm telling you, I, I've been really. I, I find that we shoot a lot less, and we have to go run out the field and waste three more shells on a cripple. That's what gets expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that would add up. Yeah. So, uh, now what's, Mike, what's your Mike, limit for when you're hunting geese? How far out's your farthest you'll pull the trigger? Um. For me, I you know if I can stay within fifty yards, I'm really really happy. So, just depends on what they're doing. I mean, some days they do it and some days they don't. I mean, you know, yeah. naturally the closer the better. But you know, typically anything I that that far, I would just rather not shoot. You know, your yeah. chances just go down exponentially when you get out that far. So, and your cripples go up. Your cripples go up, and you wind up educating a whole big flock as to what's going on. You just better just if they're not going to finish, and just let them go. Don't don't you know try and make chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? My first I'm not, season, I'm not, I uh, go out that far. It doesn't seem so. I just keep in twos for geese and a modified, and make sure that I'm shooting them under forty. Right. And just don't go beyond that. And those twos will kill them dead. I mean, I like them within thirty, but you know, yeah. I mean, you can kill them at thirty, thirty-five, no problem. Right. My first season uh, going out hunting by myself a lot. I did a lot of solo hunts, learning, and uh, I had no. Uh, I guess my perception of the yardage that I was shooting was a little off, so I, I did a lot of educating and not a lot of killing. Uh, first first few hunts I went on. <laughs> uh, th- they're asking about uh, what finish is on your uh, your black eagle. Man, the one that it came out the womb with. It's uh. It's that parkerized finish, and it's due to be redid really, really soon. So what is the parkerized finish? Is that camo or? Just want to grab right. it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just black and rust colored. So it's just this, um, you know, it's the non-gloss black finish yeah. with the, okay. and it's got a lot of rust, but. It still does everything. Every time you pull the trigger, it goes boom. So. My dad's got a Black Eagle too that he's had for, oh man, I don't know how many years, 15. And that it's camel finish. And that finish is just worn. It's just fake. Yeah. So bad. Well, I think this year I'm really interested in that Cerakote, that ceramic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard a lot of good stuff about that. So if anybody has heard some horror stories, um, tell me before I go spending a bunch of money getting this thing refinished. That's the kind of finish that comes on this gun. I don't know if you can Is tell. Is that the Cerakote? Yeah. Is that a Browning? Uh, yeah, Browning A5, Wicked Wings. Yeah, I see the humpback on it. But that's the kind it came with. and I mean, it's holding up. I mean, it's only one season, so I guess it's hard to tell. Yeah. It's holding up all right. I, mean, I can tell you, my Beretta Outlander started rusting year number one. Well, and you know, keep in mind, down here in our marsh, it's saltwater marsh, too. Hmm. Yeah, that's so probably awful air, on the guns. The, the boat spray. The I have an 870 that looks like you, it was used during the Civil War, 
like maybe you dug it up out of the ground. But I mean, that thing, man, we beat cotton mines back. We paddled boats with it. We, you name it, we've done it. <laughs> but that nice. old 870 just keeps on trucking, man. Uh, I think one question we missed was someone was asking, I think it was Ash, asked uh, how you're getting your mount done for your speckle. So there's um, in my house, we've got a big fireplace, brick fireplace going all the way up to the ceiling. And um, there was one picture that I saw online where it's kind of it, it's it's kind of a, a half cup wings down and just kind of quartered into the room um, and up just a little bit because I'm trying to find a pose where you should. This bird had a lot of stuff going on, man. The bars on its belly, you want to you know you want to showcase that. Um, its wingspan was it had an impressive wingspan. Um, I think on our Instagram page, you roll down just a little bit. There's a, a picture of, of me holding it, but it was a it was a big bird. So I tried to find something that showed off all the really interesting characteristics: uh, the bars on its belly, the big bright nose, which they paint that stuff anyway. Um, but the wingspan. So I think kind of quartering into the room, feet back a little bit, catching air. That's how we're doing it. I'll, I'll have to put a pic. I will put many pictures of it up on, on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. Any other questions? Last call and questions. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Fumbles, uh, chief is just a relaxed dog. So that's how he stays. I don't know. <laughs> I thought that was a mounted dog for a minute. <laughs> I'm like, who mounted your dog, dude? No, he's moving. All right, that's a good looking mount, man. Hey, no. Do you have do you have a dog? I do. I do. I've got a um you know, I've got I, I've my my favorite I've had two favorites that were just duck hunting machines. Man, and and one I had one, I'll show you this real quick. Um, he got really, really old and had to put him to sleep. And that just, man, I don't know if you've had to do that, but that's like, but we had him cremated. And so that he would all, I take this, his ashes are in this little, this little shotgun shell looking thing right here. And this is always in my bag with me. Um, so tough. That was my black lab tough. He's in here. And then I had a yellow long time ago before that actually got her about the same time I got my wife. Um, and there was definitely a power struggle between the two of them, <laughs> but you know, I hunted her until she was 15. Um, wow. the dog I have now, no, sir. She, she ain't about it. If it's cold, if it's wet, she wants to lay in front of the fireplace and find something to eat. So do you train yourself or do you have them train somewhere? No, I, I trained, uh, I trained all of mine myself. Um, you know, I I knew that I wasn't, you know, trying to train field quality, you know, show, you know, do a 900-yard retrieve across an interstate and stop and ask for directions on the way back. And um, But I used Water Dog just like everybody else kind of did, I think, in that generation. And, um, man, I don't know. I just got a dog that I can I could tell her to go back, hit the whistle, stop, center diagonal back one way or diagonal back the other way, and – she was hard-headed, and but you know they tend to knew know a little bit more about me than about where the bird was than than where I did. So um, I, I never really had anybody else train them other than me. Nice, nice. Water dogs. Water dogs. Oh, it was the Bible there for a long time, man. You remember? Yeah. So Walters wrote the literally wrote the book on training Labrador retrievers. It's, it's easy to use. Common sense. Yeah, well, that's the problem too. Is that common sense ain't all that common anymore? So, you know. Um, but then he, I mean, he just breaks it down in a little. You get them doing this, and you get them comfortable doing that to where that's all they know. And then maybe you add a little something, and then a little something that they screw up, and you take them back to the beginning, and it's just repetitive learning. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you got anything else to add, Elliot? No, I think that's it. 
Well, we appreciate you coming on, Joey. No, man, I thank you guys for having me. It's been a, yeah, it was, it's been a it lot of great. fun. Good conversation. You got some good guests, good questions, and, uh, you know, yeah. people can check our stuff out, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah, you guys can find uh, – they got a Facebook page as well as YouTube and Instagram. So you guys can find them all there. Uh, Passion of Pursuit. Um, we got it linked down in the description. So uh, be sure to check them out. And uh, we really enjoyed hearing your story and what you guys got going on there. Sounds like a pretty neat operation. Yeah, right on. Uh, yep. So everybody else, just a um, little update for next week. We're going to be on uh, Freelance's channel, so make sure you guys head over there. Uh, you know, Hit the sub button on his and notification if you aren't already, and uh, then you'll get notified when we're live over there as well. So, and tomorrow um, night at 7 o'clock, we're doing the second annual game night. And I've got um, lights all to sponsor it. So first place prize is a $60 tactical flashlight. And I tried it, I tried this flashlight out uh, this weekend. It is unbelievable. For nice. 3,000 lumens. So you got a used flashlight that you're giving away. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> I love flashlights. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's all for us tonight. So if you made it this far, make sure to hit that like button. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Rock and roll. You've been listening to the Duck Gun Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, Next week, we have Dr. Duck on the podcast. It'll be posted here next Wednesday. So stay tuned for that, guys. Um, If you guys want to join us for live Q&A on these podcasts, then just jump over to my YouTube channel at Duck Gun Chronicles or Elliot's YouTube channel at Freelance Duck Hunting. And if you guys have made it this far in the podcast, you know, do us a big favor. Drop us a review on the iTunes store. Um, It really does us a big service, and we're able to be found in search way easier so um thanks in advance guys and we'll see you guys next week let's go